You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. AW is hit a new low. It's Bilal Bakani, and I'm joined by Montreal comedian Chris Vendito, but more importantly, a man who agrees with me in general on AEW. Chris, how are you doing? General's, uh, uh, you know, key part here, Bilal. Uh, I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I'm doing better than AEW Dynamite is doing, or AEW, AEW oh. in general. But certainly, uh, the ratings are down for AEW, and they're up against a Survivor Series uh, go-home, well, the go-home show and the show after. And I didn't think this was a good show. Uh, Chris, are you ready to go through it in detail? Yes, sir. All right. So let's start out with the opening, because I like to narratively tie things, but with this product, I just have to go in sequence so I can build up my rage. The Young Bucks and the not-so-young Dustin Rhodes were tag-teaming against Sammy Guevara, Santana Ortiz, obviously part of the inner circle. And I, I thought about this for a second. Five out of the six people in this match think they're the best. The only person who doesn't brand themselves as the best in this match is Dustin Rhodes, who ironically is the greatest of the five people or the six people in this match. And I, I got to yeah. call out JR for comparing Sammy Guevara to Eddie Guerrero. That drives me crazy. And a similar example came up later. Uh, so the few things I'll throw out here, Chris, and I'm going to throw it to you. Um, there's some weird different ramp that looked like a bumper lane this week. I don't know what that was about. There was a very desperate graphic where AEW wrestling threw out every social media handle imaginable because they're desperate to get any sort of numbers that make them look good. And, you know, the wrestling here was very good, but there's no build for Dustin's return. Uh, it doesn't help that they're at some university campus in, in, in Champaign, Illinois, which I don't even know where that is. Uh, and at one point, there was a spot where Sammy live blogged on the top rope. The announcers pointed out right away this backfired last time, and it backfired again here. Some great double and triple team moves. The Bucks and Rhodes won here, but I was not very impressed by this match. Chris, what were your thoughts? I think there was a uh, there was a theme all night with Jr. where he was kind of like going overboard on the hyping up. Like there was there was stuff at the beginning when he was comparing Guevara to to Eddie Guerrero, which is just, you know, maybe let's not do that. Yeah. But but also, I think, like, later in the match, there was, like, a Jericho, the, later in the show, the Jericho segment, he's like, Jericho's the greatest thing in wrestling. It's true, kids. Look it up. And it's like, it's like we, we, he is the, the, the hottest thing right now, but he's the only thing AEW's got going for them at the same time. So maybe don't hammer home that point. And the ramp was really silly. That was odd. It was really funny, though, watching Jericho kind of back up the ramp while still looking at the ring. I know I'm jumping ahead here. But um, the, the, the thing about the Open was that's, that's AEW. That's, it, the wrestling is good. Um, but the, the, the desperation is kind of annoying. They're, they're competing with NXT, basically. They're, they're not competing with the WWE. And I think <laughs> they know that. But they got to, like... You know, I, I love Cody Rhodes, and that's the only reason I will even watch AEW with mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho. But they need to, like, not seem like they're trying to rekindle the Monday Night Wars because it's just not there. Yeah, and let's jump right into the second match because I think you're already starting to get into some of the other points. And, and you know, the more we go into it, the more we'll break it down. Uh, Ray Phoenix took on Trent, who doesn't have a last name. Although I will say, I, I really do like the Best Friends music. And I think on this night, it had never been better because at the same time, I think the Lucha Dragons have one of the worst wrestling theme songs ever. It's basically Lucha Bros, Mexican, 
and, and that's that that's it over and over again um th- this was very disappointing chuck taylor uh, that's his name and orange cassidy they were at ringside they did nothing from the, what i could tell uh i, I just I didn't care about this match, you know, uh, during the pitcher and pitcher, I like to sometimes note what happened in the pitcher and pitcher. I was lucky enough to have enough DVR space at this point to skip ahead. So I didn't care. Um, you feel, I, I don't mean to cut you off a lot. Yeah. You feel like the picture in picture, they kind of, they, they kind of really need to clean that up in terms of how they produce it. Cause again, I'm touching on something that's later in the match, mm-hmm. but that, that there was the first women's segment there with, um, and that now, ended in picture yeah. in picture which was one of the weirder things I've ever seen while watching wrestling. I've never seen a segment just end in silence in the corner while there was an ad for Gino's Pizza. Well, uh, let me say this. I have a break. So this was the only picture-in-picture I skipped. I actually kept a running list because I, like you, Chris, I think they've mismanaged this terribly. And I guess I'll throw out my thesis, which I do like to reiterate sometimes, Chris Mendito, as you join me from beautiful Montreal. uh, And it's beautiful, Montreal. Well, it's beautifully cold here. And it's getting colder too next week. So watch out, my fellow Canadians. But uh, this is an ongoing thing. And I think, listen, the thing with AEW is the wrestling product, they're taking care of their guys, they're making girls, and they're trying to push up their talent. But I think the, the, the dark secret nobody wants to put out there is they're not spending any money on production. TNT is expecting 400,000 viewers in the States every week. They're dropping to that level. Very, they're very close to that level. They started with, I think, 1.4 million. Now they're down around 800 or 600,000. They lost 200,000 last week. You know. Yeah, I think so, I think I saw earlier that they were at they were at like their lowest was the last week that coming out of uh, the, the U.S. Thanksgiving and Survivors. Well, going into U.S. Thanksgiving, they were like 660. Yeah, and and I, I honestly I think this show will do better. But as we're kind of break down as we go with Cody next year, I don't think they've done much to really make reassert themselves but let, let's get into it so part of that picture in picture was cody walking backstage this is like the sixth time they've shown a backstage shot of cody with some person who i don't know for i don't know what reason and then when they came back and this goes to your point they just came back on some generic rock and a static shot of the stage for about 20 30 seconds before cody's ridiculous entrance started it looks like he got a slight pyro update of course his best friend tony shivani was waiting for him in the ring to interview him although this time not in the back of a limo, so at least it was somewhat objective. Not really. Cody was asked about MJF, the uh, butcher and the bunny, and I later found out the blade is the other one. They didn't really set this up too well. And Cody, being Cody, went straight to Jericho and talking about how he didn't win the AEW championship, which was not part of the question which Tony was trying to softball for you. He then started going off topic about his brother and his wife very briefly, and then briefly mentioned MJF, then went to the butler and the bunny or whatever. And the fans were eating this up like the sheep they get in these universities in Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> they're desperate to sell out, which I'll get into later. Um, MJF, he eventually finally focused on MJF. And apparently MJF had said he would never have a match with Cody. And Cody says he never deals in absolutes. This is the guy who pitched the stipulation that he would never have another AEW championship against a match against Jericho or for the title again when he lost, which he just referenced. So talk about uh, just hypocritical. But he goes on and he said um, something about, uh, you know, uh, trying to convince MJF to take this fight. Uh, and this all felt very high schoolish. 
He threw out the keys to whatever stupid car he has in his ridiculous keychain. The Ford F-150, brother. That was, come on. Lau, listen, Bilal. Look, I, 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 I appreciate I the detail. But then he, got, he has his watch and he has his shoes. And then all of a sudden he brings out a briefcase of $50,000, which is worth more than probably all of those other things combined, except for maybe, no, the car too, because that's depreciated. And they, have, they give some kid $100. Okay, that was nice. I like that. Um, and I just, I, I walked away from this thinking, first of all, you completely contradict yourself with all this MJF stuff. You say, oh, I knew he was bad. He was my, my bad guy. Well, then why didn't you see this turn coming? And, and then I'm, he doesn't really, he makes some remark about how he would face the butcher and the bunny and they could pick his opponent, which just sort of gets forgotten in this MJF ridiculousness. MJF doesn't even come out. The butcher and the bunny don't come out. Uh, and Cody just walks away with this unresolved, and I get it. They don't have another pay-per-view, I don't think, till February, and they are stretching this out. But, man, I, I just – I think this segment, and I know a lot of people will love it, and, and sure, I, you know what? I agree with you. The, the truck thing was cute. But it just epitomizes what's wrong with AEW because Cody in this one promo threw out half a dozen storylines, only really addressed one, and even the one he addressed, we're going to stretch it out for about two months. I, I think this epitomizes more of what wrestling is. As AEW continues to grow, like continues to go on here, they're going to run into the same challenges, similar challenges at the very least, excuse me, to what the WWE and their various programs go through, which is making making changes on the fly, making storyline, especially specific changes, the stipulation stuff, like, who cares? Like, honestly, I feel that way about WWE all the time. Who cares what the stipulations are, guys? It's a, it's, it's ever-evolving. Ever That's the world of wrestling. They could just make up whatever the hell they want in terms of a, a match stipulation. But in terms of what, what Cody's doing now, I feel it's just that, he's like you said, he's trying to carry him and Jericho. You saw both of their segments tonight. Yeah. They know they they're trying to stretch it out. First of all, uh, Cody was great. Cody and Jericho, like you know, basically back to back with that weird women women's segment in between. With Naya is the, is the, is the is the big is the the dominant yeah, force. A, the, Brock, is the Brock Lesnar of the AEW women's division. Oh man! All right, let, let me let me throw in uh, Chris. It'll remind me to get back. I got to throw in two quick things before we get there because. Yeah, I don't blame you for forgetting what happened on AEW, but there were two other things I want to quickly mention. I mean, I was, I was flipping back and forth with a lot of stuff. Okay. I'm not going to lie. No, no, I, I don't blame you because what was next was Alex Marvez, who I didn't realize still worked with AEW. I thought they just fired him. He was interviewing Joey Janela. Joey told That was some, a fun segment, though, actually. I saw that. Yeah, with, with – uh, and he took off the glasses. The glasses aren't yeah. working for Joey Janela. Well, that's, he told that's some absolute. joke that I don't even remember. It was so bad. And I, like, I give him credit for trying – um, and he talked about how he was on the back burner. And I'm just like, dude, you're on the back burner because you suck. Let's be honest. Um, and he said, oh, this time it counts, referring to the whatever non-binding match they have, which is a whole other issue I have. I'm sorry, you can't have a match that doesn't count in a wrestling quote-unquote sport where everything counts. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, if everything counts, you do not schedule an unsanctioned match that doesn't count. You don't sanction the match, but you count it or you find some way to work it. Anyways, I just, it just drives me crazy. Uh, and he says that he has to kill John Moxley, which is ridiculous. And Moxley just walks up to him and says, kids these days. And I don't even think these guys are that much different in age. No, not even. He just said kids. And it yeah, got such yeah. a huge pop that honestly a part of me died inside about Yeah, comedy. it's just so like, stupid. It like, got such a huge pop. And that I'll give you. I'll give you that, uh, Greg. Like, listen. But 
Hold on. But, but it just it's also fun to see that that promo back the backstage promo and see just how big how much bigger John Moxley is even before the match like yeah. it, it's he towered I you know I think I fi- I figured out Moxley left the WWE to go be a towering figure in AEW that's that's AEW slash Japan because yep. he looks like such a machine. He looks like he's their Brock Lesnar. He's so much bigger than people in AEW, which I get. They have a lot of they have a lot of lucha guys and they have a lot of like you know smaller indie guys, but not just in like name recognition, but just stature. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 there's just the position of those two guys in that promo. That was that was the hilarious thing, and also you know Moxie's Mox is a good part of that show too. The the guys, the show is actually not terrible. I know we're we're doing a teardown here. Yeah. And my bigger gripe with AEW is the production value and the yeah. overall insecurity of their fans and their announcers. Yeah. And which, in, in fairness, this was the main event rivalry, so I think I think they knew that they had something here. The 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 issue I'm going to throw in this, Chris, because you're making a good point, but I and think also the match the match is too short. Their yeah, well, too short. I want to save that to the very minutes. end. Yeah, well, I was, it's funny. I was going to bring that up. But let me say this. If the guy just threatened to kill you, and this is a fight, why don't you just punch him right there and then? Like, it was just so – like, and I like, I like that Moxley didn't over-talk here because he's done a lot of that in AEW where I've really been like, man, I see why WWE wanted to keep this guy in a leash at times. Like, they had stupid ideas, but they wanted to narrow him down. Here, I think Moxley, you're right. He struck the perfect tone. He stood up to him, had one word. It's all he needed to say. But I sort of felt like he should have just clocked him too, you know? Uh, yeah, but I think the, the implication – and, again, I, that was one of my more – that was one of the better segments that I, I think. Mm-hmm. That's why it's – for me, that was one of the better segments that I – because I did actually watch that whole segment. And yeah. I think what the implication was is that he's just so beneath – like Moxley, and they're so laughable. And again, it's, it comes with the size thing. I think it was very, very deliberate, and sh- like in the way they framed it to show like how much bigger he is than this kid. And it's literally, it's like, oh, this is a child. This is a child. You're not gonna hit a child at a party because he's talking shit. You're not gonna punch him in the face. You know, like I, I, there's plenty of kids who have, who have said, "I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I swear to God." Because you're you're wrestling your play like I've wrestled with like cousins and stuff before, but, and like they get out of hand. You're not gonna punch him for saying that. That's that's that was the for me that was the vibe that uh, that segment gave me, which again was was funny. And I wish they got more time at the end. I would just say too, and we'll get more into the match a little bit later. I, I you I just can in one sentence you can't say this is gonna count in terms of the win loss record, and this thing gonna kill the guy. It, it can't be. It it just can't be both. Um, let's yeah, move on yeah, that. that's and I think that's that goes back to what we said about the Cody segment, where it's like yeah. there's a little bit of confusion and they're changing things on the fly. And again, that's that plagues WWE. So it's not something that that's it's AEW specific. It also it's just it's Cody's also look seeing the reality now as a mm. he's basically a showrunner. That's what that's what he is. Right, and which is sort of a compliment, to be honest. Like I chuckle at that, but you know what? It's it shows that you can carry the load as well. As much as I like to rip Cody, yeah, like he's wearing so many different hats. Like not only is he the main, like one of the main three talents on the, like in terms of especially in, on mic on the mic. Yeah, like it's him and Jericho, and then everybody else. Easily, uh, in terms of mic work, everyone talks about another annoying thing about like 
if you if you talk to an AEW exclusive fan, they'll tell you they'll preach until their eyes are like out of their foreheads that every promo in AEW is the god's gift to promos. But yeah. it's like really Cody and Jericho, but whatever. Well, but uh, he's okay. wearing so many hats that it's he's starting now. When you're doing shows every week, you're starting to learn that there's things that you have to change in the fly. And they're not as it's not as seamless, and that's why maybe they're losing a few viewers, especially in the states, to NXT because NXT is doing good, is doing better than it now. I think three weeks in a row. At first, it was all AEW for that first like I think six week start, but it's steadily and very smart move by Vince sidebar here by by making Survivor Series basically the NXT show that whole weekend because yeah, people were just like, I'm sure the numbers tonight are going to be just as solid as they were last week for NXT. And last week they were over 800. And, and you forget the weeks when they, uh, they went up against nothing and played an hour during suits. They won the first couple of weeks of the Wednesday night war by default, but moving on the dark order had a video where hey, did you I, catch my cameo in that. <laughs> I will say, Tell me I did that think, kid at the end is not me. I thought more of the first guy. But uh, anyways, no, was, you haven't seen me in a while, Bilal. I felt ballooned a bit, you know? Uh, well, basically, they had an internet smart who joined them because he wanted revenge. But then the second Super guy... Super creepy, by the way. Super cringe, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job establishing that. I give him credit. The second person who wanted to join was a, a little heavier, and he just wanted friends, which I immediately was like, that doesn't seem right. And they just sort of attacked him. And I started to feel like... They kicked his head in. Well, they kicked his head in, but then they just sort of massaged him. That's why I got confused. But this is where... And this is kind of like the Bray Wyatt thing. I started to feel like, okay, this is probably... And I think it was literally the first person who they accepted. I thought this was great. But then as soon as we got to the second person, and now you're just beating up some guy who was on the subway last week, I'm like, okay, that's like the moment where this is plateaued and it's probably all downhill from here. It feels... um, and you mentioned Bray Wyatt, it feels like they're, for some reason or another, they're kind of mirroring both, like, these two shows are, these two companies, AEW so wants to be known at the same level as, as WWE, and this is where, again, they run into, run into to, to, to bumps, it's, if they were just trying to build organically as a brand, it'd be one thing, but every week they're trying to be, we're the best wrestling show in the world. And it's like, guys, if you say it this many times, mm. people are going to start criticizing everything you do. And that's essentially what's happening now is that more and more people are kind of getting tired of all the talking. And that, that, this, this whole thing with um, – that, that whole segment was just creepy to me. It was overcompensating for something that Bray did last week. I feel like they're kind of responding to how creepy was Bray this week. Well, let's 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 notch it up a bit, boys. Get me a fatty off the streets that we kick in. <laughs> I'll, I'll give them credit. It was a multi-week build on the fatty, as you said. And I will say they 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 rebuilt they rehabilitated the Dark Order because about a month ago I would have told you I don't know who these guys are. I don't care. Now at least they have a backstory. And let's let's carry on that theme because. Chris, I like to do these in 10 minutes, but man, you're pouring it in so hard. We're probably going to go double that, but I'm going to try to keep us in some variation of time here because I haven't paid for premium. Oh, I didn't know there was a time limit. I'm sorry. Well, in honor of AEW, right? But uh, uh, it's like a 40-minute time limit, really. But I try try to keep these things short because, you know, diminishing returns. But speaking of which, (laughs) Nyla Rose, who I guess I finally got the naive beast thing. I hadn't really, it hadn't really clicked in my head because it had been so poorly branded. But when I saw it on the screen and her video opening with the shot better, 
that was good. Um, there, but in in the process of that, there was a pitcher in pitcher, of course, AEW's favorite thing ever, where she beat up Shayna, who I don't really remember what her story is, and, and then had the best moment of like of the night in terms of in the ring when she put the ref through a table, and we didn't get to see it. We had okay. To so- see- let me break it down, Chris, because I have a list of the pitcher and pitcher, and that's an amazing tease. So she, she gets in the ring, and instead of facing Shayna, who she put through a table, she's facing Leva Bates, who, if you don't know who that is, she's a librarian because they've done a terrible job of telling you the names of these people. And during the match, Peter Avalon got involved trying to prevent Nyla from hitting her finisher. Uh, and eventually they both attacked, and she just chokeslammed them both. There's a nice spot where Peter Avalon before this tried to distract, and then uh, the librarian, the other one, got the book, tried to hit her with the book. Um, there, apparently, there's no disqualifications until later in the show that becomes a thing because AEW doesn't know what they're doing. And I mean, that's, a, that's a wrestling thing, though. Come on. I know. But I, I just sort of, I watched this, and then after the match, Shayna came out, tried to attack. I, I don't know why Shayna waited until this was a one-on-one situation. She got crushed. And as you mentioned, <laughs> we went to pitcher and pitcher. Nyla got a table, which... Again, like we watched, I'm sure you saw War Games. This is like one of the biggest pops of the night is pulling out a table. So why yeah. is it a pitcher and pitcher? I have no idea. She power bombs the referee and Shayna through the table during the pitcher and pitcher. And this is so done by the time the commercial break is over that about halfway through, maybe a quarter left in this break, we're just on crowd shots. And I sort of stepped back from this, Chris. And as much we as saw, I hate- yeah, we saw not only just crowd shots. Let me cut you off. Yeah. Not only just crowd shots, but we saw we saw the changeover the cleanup and we're just sitting there and she's going up the weird ramp yeah. and it's like, and it's like, what, what just happened? And then they didn't talk about it. Now I was, I was, I was texting a buddy at the same time and I'm like, do you like, do you think that's just a Canadian fee? But it's like, it can't be. They're getting it no, right from TNT. Yeah. And like, the other thing, the other thing I want to throw in, cause you mentioned Nyla earlier. Look, she's, she's also a trans. She's great by the way. Yeah, she's, she's great. Awesome. And there's also a story that they're not telling. She's a transgendered wrestler, and I believe she's a Native American too. How is she not a face? Because we see Karma later, and her as a heel is a lot like Karma, and it gives you the same... And their women's division is not strong. Like, if there is one thing, and a lot of other people have said this, but I'm going to say it anyways. NXT and WWE have an insane women's division. They probably have the best... Yeah, they don't even compare. The women's the like, it's insane. Compare. So... Yeah. Why are you giving me two variations of the big bad female heel in the span of like two hours? Like I just, I feel like what they should be doing is putting. And I've already forgot about Riho, who's the alleged alleged champion here. Like Nyla should be becoming a face. Karma can go win the title from Rio, and then you can build to Karma and Nyla. Nyla can make a friend. She can mess up Brandy, who we'll see later. We'll talk about later. Like I don't understand. Like because that they have Nyla who, again, is transgendered and Native American, they have something special here, and they don't want to present it as something special, and I don't understand why. Uh, I've seen uh, on the internet, which is always a reliable source, 100%. I've seen a, a lot of uh, female wrestling fans, especially, who I follow, and uh, they've all kind of said the same thing, that while the product is great in AEW, they have a women's problem, and they don't know how to book the women really and so much so that they're ending segments again in a picture-in-picture commercial break like that's like even if it's an accident like it can't happen to no it can't be an accident though that it can't be it can't be that's a strategic move yeah and it's like first of all it's already right after cody and yeah and 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 then and 
then it's like we're we're gonna do we're gonna get rid of this in commercial to go to Jericho. So it's like the, the the optics aren't great. And then you factor in her backstory, what she is, and the fact that she's playing a heel, and that's not great either. And it's like and it's like a and and, and the face in the situation is like just blonde white chick. <laughs> like uh. all of that adds up, and it's like she's like. She's show stopping, really. Like you, I, 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 I saw her. And I'm like, who's this? I want to know more about this person. And it was a really, it was really, if, for a casual fan like me who watches In and Out, mm. it's really important to build on your characters that have pop. And it, yes, you do Cody and Jericho well, but there's no, there's no woman on the roster that has any name brand appeal that has pop to casuals. I can name you 15, like you know, women in, on the WWE roster across the board that I'll stay and watch a match for. I, I, I don't know enough about the women's division in, in AEW. And yeah. it, they're, not, they're not showing it enough in anything I've ever watched for AEW. It always feels like kind of what the Divas were back in the day. Where it's well, like, okay, let's just, let's just get this in now so we can, get, we can move on to something bigger. Yeah. Let's, just, and, let's just, let's throw the broads out and then, uh, and then we'll do Jericho with Bubbly. Well, yeah, we'll get, and I will say, I think Britt Baker was in the crowd for this, and they, or maybe that was later, and they mimicked. Yeah, they had some reaction shots to her. Yeah, so, which was eerily like war games. But they need to get, they need to get either more women involved in terms of writing and creative, which is also sometimes a problem that pl- plagues WWE, to be fair. But mm. their women's roster is so deep that they have, they have more range to screw it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I liked Peter Avalon in this match, and I know they had a bit of a, a storyline with Kenny Omega and Riho, and, and maybe they need, because they have so many guys around the same level on the roster, maybe they need to work some more men into this female, uh, the, the women's division, which it's funny. I would almost say I'd rather they do one really good match on a two-hour show than what we got tonight, which we'll, we'll get to Chris Stadler a little bit later, which was two matches that weren't bad, but they didn't quite do it for me. But let's move on to Jericho because I know everybody wants to hear about that. He came out with uh, Hager. I'm still, I still don't like calling him that. Of course, he was out to cut a promo. They were in Champaign, Illinois, and you know they wanted to talk about the bubbly. Now, I have to say, Jericho did a lot of crowd work. Again, this was Champaign, Illinois. This is about the most inconsequential crowd work ever because I've never heard of Champagne, Illinois before tonight. Hey, but you know, work is work, baby. I, I ex- mean, very good point, Chris. Uh, and Chris's credit, he sold uh, 12,000 bottles of the bubbly, which is very impressive. And in a week, in a week, brother, in a week. Yeah. Not, not all the time. It's a very good point. And it turns out he has to have one more match in 2019. And it was going to be on the last dynamite on December 18th. And he gets to choose his opponent. He had a variation of the list. I don't want to get too into this because actually I think you should, if, if you haven't seen this, it's actually worth watching. Uh, he listed off Moxley, Cody, the Young Bucks, Diamond Dallas Page, Hangman Page, Scorpio Sky, Moxley, Page. Again, some fans, uh, Darby Page. Allen. There, there was a bunch, there's Chris, there's too many jokes for you and I to tell. Um, but I, I really didn't expect what was coming next and I'm sort of happy and, and frustrated by it. So Luchasaurus comes out with Jungle Boy and Marco stunt. I had to take a few seconds to figure that out. And Lucha, Luchasaurus kind of explains he's got a history background. He makes some references that just quite frankly are over my head, but I kind of appreciate that. Talks about dinos, dino rights, which kind of devalidates what he just said. 
And then you said Marco was more of a man than Jericho. The fans, the sheep they are, they ate this up, started chanting Marco, which was unbelievable. It was like seeing a Hornswoggle chant uh, or a Santino Morella chant. Although I know Santino, so I understand that one more. Um, and then they suggested that Jungle Boy would face Jericho, which I can't understand why. Uh, Jericho points out that Jungle Boy can't talk, let alone win a match. Of course, Jungle, Jungle Boy in about a moment said, no, he could last 10 minutes about Jericho. And then somehow Luchasaurus and his minions took out Jericho and Hager. They fell flat out of the ring. And off mic, Jericho kind of yelled that, yeah, he'll face him on December 16th. Uh, Chris, like, I, I, I like Jericho. I like this promo for the most part, but why? Why this? I know you got to push Moxley off, but really what they should be doing is Jericho and Moxley on December 18th. And to give us like this match uh, after the Darby Allen thing, after the Scorpio Sky, I think we're stupid, Chris. Like, I just don't get this. Like, this is just dumb. Well, there, I think the, the issue here is, is, a, is, is kind of layered, but, one, it's the last show of the year, mm. and they're not trying to – they don't have a pay-per-view to build towards. So it's kind of like a mid-season finale. Yeah, I know, but it's like a mid-season uh, so finale with see, James Ellsworth so facing your, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, no, so I see your point, and, and I agree with it. At the same time, I can also see if the argument is we need to build more more guys and maybe this kid – you know, going up against Jericho, if he hangs for 10 minutes, that could be a storyline thing they could use moving forward and they could build a thing and maybe they could get the, the big guy versus Jericho down the line. It's maybe you're trying to start a feud. It's this, it's a similar thing. I think both the Jericho and um, Cody segments tonight were really about both of them trying to like, Hey, point at this kid this is an important person we're gonna fight now and we're gonna make it important because that's again that's what wrestling is but also they need to have more guys it can't just be jericho omega moxley and cody just rotating against each other for the next whatever however long this is gonna play out they they're gonna build a real consistent brand they gotta get more guys they gotta get more guys who casuals will know I, I i know diehard fans hate to say hate hate this and i you're i know you're a diehard wrestling fan but neither AEW or the wwe care about the diehards they want casuals and that's why they're both so present on social media they need more guys and i think that's why they have these you know less inspired on the surface matches uh, at this point i'd rather see david arquette face chris jericho but that's enough about that uh, Chris Stradler, oh, I'm just joking. Uh, Chris Stradler, um, who was described, I don't even know which commentator it was because I was so annoyed by this comment. She was described as the hottest prospect in wrestling. Not a great choice of words for a female athlete, but regardless, just garbage. Um, she thinks she's from space and she was taking on Hiroki, uh, Sikia, I'm in trouble with her name. And here's what I took away from the match. Stradler did cartwheels at one point. For what reason, I have no idea, because she's out of her mind, clearly. And then during the pitcher-in-pitcher, this was one of the most ridiculous ones yet. They go out of the ring. Stradler misses a moonsault. A chair gets set up uh, by uh, Sakara, And she goes against the barricade. There's a corner elbow back in the ring. There's a knee in the corner. There's a roll, roll, roll up near fall. 
this match ends. Of course, Strider gets the win. And then Karma and Brandy Rhodes come out. They cut a promo. I'm, I'm not sure why Brandy Rhodes felt the need to rip off her skirt as she got in the ring, but she did. And she literally said, and I'm paraphrasing, she had no business with Chris, which is unusual because she interrupted her celebration and then offered her a spot to join the Nightmare Collective. That sounds a lot like business you have with her. And then a fan at ringside interrupted to pledge their allegiance to the collective. Security didn't stop her. They helped her in the ring. They then began to cut her hair and go to picture in picture. Straddler disappears during this. And they just continue to cut her hair during the commercial break. They don't shave her bald. They just give her like a shorter haircut. And then during this picture. Pretty picture, sure that's not a regular fan. Yeah, I would, I would say not. And then they felt the need to put a picture-in-picture graphic here, promoting another match while was, this was happening, which was just a bad idea. Uh, Chris, what the hell just happened? Uh, I, again, further, further proof to the very valid point that the AEW doesn't know what to do with the women. Um, it was kind of sloppy. Uh, it kind of got overly sexy. Um, you know, these are... Again, again, it reminds me of how a little bit they're better wrestlers, to be sure. Uh, but it reminds me a lot of like the John Cena era diva division, where it's like they're just throwing the girls out there. They're not really using them, and it's more for eye candy than anything else. And it's a good angle. It could be a good angle with the collective, but. Again, it, it felt cluttered, it felt rushed, and it didn't. It, 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 it got weird at the end with a haircut. And, it, 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 and it's, it's another segment that ended in picture in picture, isn't it? Another woman's yep. segment that ended in picture oh, in picture. Yeah, and it just, you know, I, I don't even really want to, I honestly, Chris, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm just like, why? Uh, another Chris I like. Yeah, Christopher. It's just, that, that wasn't a great call. Ugh. And I think that if they handled women, the women's division better, there'd be a They'd be closer to NXT numbers. They'd be closer to where they were at the beginning because they're kind of they're kind of ostracizing a big portion of the fan base here. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I, I think regardless of gender, you're just watching this going, I don't care. Uh, somebody I do care about is Christopher Daniels. So he came out by himself, which I thought was odd because he's got two friends who are tag team champions or whatever, and I don't know where they are, to take on Pentagon Jr. And... There really wasn't any... Great name, by the way, Pentagon Senior. It is a great name. I'd hate to meet Pentagon Senior. There wasn't really any build to the fact that Daniels had been out since June, and before Pentagon could get in the ring, Daniels did a crossbody from the turnbuckle to that raised ramp, which diminished the entire point of that spot. We go to pitcher and pitcher, and after... And, and the weird thing was, at this point, Pentagon was in control, and he was in the middle of about a minute of taunting they waited for him to finish the taunting, went the pitcher and pitcher as he chopped him in the ropes, poked him in the eyes, which was even weirder because earlier in the match when they were on the ramp, he had removed his gloves to do a super kick. And it was only during the pitcher and pitcher that he, I think he poked his eyes. It was hard to see, ironically. And they did a super kick again during this pitcher and pitcher. They traded punches. And then this entire storyline where Pentagon started arguing with the ref developed entirely in the commercial break, and he hit a clothesline to the corner. And then during this match, when we came back and finally actually had a chance to focus on it, 
we were bombarded with tickets still available for next week. Well, you wonder why you guys can't sell out university campuses. Um, there was an awful botch where Daniels was trying to do an Arabian moonsault to the outside. And I just felt bad for Daniels. It looked really bad. And Ray, uh, Ray Phoenix came to the ring to obviously set up uh, an interference spot. Apparently DQs counted here because they hadn't previously with the book bashing. And eventually they fought over the cane and the package pile driver came into play. Pentagon gets the win after playing hot potato with the mic stand, which can't really cause a DQ, but could in this instance. Uh, Chris, where do you start here? My only, my only thoughts on this segment was that it was too long and took away from Moxley Janello at the end, which is why 100%. I didn't like it. I mean, it, I guess it could have been good, but yeah, it, it it was it was long, and the main event was too short. And uh, if I was, I'm not trying to complain like I'm t- talking about the Irishman here. But if I was going to cut anything tonight, I would have started with part of that segment. Well, and, and what we got before the main event, yeah, no, hundred percent. And what we got before the main event didn't help. It was the butcher, the bunny, and the blade. I never remember the blade because he's like the least significant guy in this group. And they basically cut a promo where they said their first order or the first order was chaos or chaos was their first order and they introduced themselves. That was it. This was the only thing before the main event. Then as, as Chris is very nicely teased, we got the main event. It was announced as TV time, which should be 20 minutes. I looked at my DVR. I had 13 when they were still in entrances. So they had about 12 minutes, maybe 11 minutes for this main event. Yeah, they had 12 minutes by the time Moxley got into the ring. Yeah, so, and then JR, I thank you for timing that, because I was just ballparking. It was 12 minutes by the time Moxley got into the ring. Jesus. And, of course, JR, go ahead. JR compares John Moxley to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, uh, in the entrances he does this, I'm sorry, even WWE doesn't lean so heavily on the Becky Lynch, Stone Cold Steve Austin thing, and you know they could. We get a picture-in-picture with eight, left, eight minutes left in the show, which is mind-numbing. Uh, during it, Moxley uh, was thrown back out of the ring. He got a near fall. He dropped an elbow. We got another near fall. He hit a surfboard submission. He started to stomp the chest countless times. He hit an STF. Uh, Janela bit him. Moxley got out of the ring again, and... Uh, he had a uh, diving attack and he threw him into the guardrail. All that happened in the pitcher and pitcher. We come back with like five minutes left. Moxley hits his finisher. I don't care at this point. Jericho kind of shows up on the ramp to sort of mimic what Moxley did last week. And that's AW Dynamite. Chris? Um, here's, a, here's the thing about JR. It's, I mean, he's old. He's, he's old. And... And he, there's a reason why a legendary voice like Jim Ross was let go by WWE, mm. and there's a reason why I'm working in, in a, you know, in a, in a new project, is because he's old, and the, you can t- sense the bitterness a bit when he compares anyone on the roster to anybody in WWE, or when he says the things like it's the he's the greatest thing in wrestling right now, folks. You gotta believe me. You gotta Google it. Trust me, he's the greatest. Uh, I'm telling you, and it's like that stuff to me. It's it, it kind of like it takes the enjoyment out of it. It's like guys, just stop worrying about the other guy and yeah. talk about the show. Hundred percent, and I, that I, would I, that would help immensely. Talk about Moxley. Talk about Janello. Talk about their 
the unsanctioned matches and whatever. Just hype up your guys without having to also seemingly take shots at your former employer because that's going to get old really quick too. And yeah, I guess I get that there's like the, for the kids and what's the, what was the Champagneville? Yeah, uh, Champagne, well, well, Illinois, I think was this. I'm not even Champagne, sure. I guess the, the college kids in Champagne, Illinois, that's like that's a hot crap. Uh, you could belly flop from the second rope, and I think you get a pop. Like, like just – and, like, the people watching on television don't care that you think that John Moxley and Stone Cold Steve Austin are similar. They're not. They're, they're not. Like, it's it's – that, that's stop comparing every guy with a cool walk to Stone Cold Steve Austin. First of all, let's let's stop disrespecting Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was one in a generation. Mm. Like this is the this is the thing with I, I you see it on the internet all the time, and it's like it's it's the match itself could have worked if they were given more time. They were not given enough time. Um, the Jericho thing at the end was weird. It's like. Are we doing a Moxley angle before Christmas, or are we not? Or are we just gonna bring him out to say he came out and then revisit this in January? Again, that goes back to what we said off the top about how they're still figuring out how to run the TV show because it's easier to run a pop-up pay-per-view. It's harder to run a weekly show, which is what he's doing. It's he's running a weekly television show. Um, but Jr. needs to stop with 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 the pen. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, I feel like even if you ask AEW fans, they're kind of getting over it too. Just from what, like you see, like you see a message like on Reddit or Twitter, it's like enough, Jr. We get it. Like Vince, you hate you and Vince hate each other now, but stop leading into it so much. And, and the final thing I'll <laughs> say here, my, that's my, yeah, I'll just, I'll just add that uh, I'm really, I'm really at a loss with this brand and what they're doing. And um, I, I, it just, you know, it'd be you and I, I mean, we'll do another one of these. You and I could book this better. And I don't even want to start to break it down because the tag team champions were forgotten on this show. The women's champion was forgotten on this show. And I don't even think the right people have those belts. And I would even argue that as much as I like Jericho, I think you can't have this wrestling product and have it lead, led by a guy who's primarily a talker and not a fighter. I'm just like, they need to get that title on a Moxley, on a you know, on an Omega, uh, ASAP. I, I like. I, is that co- the same? Is that the same argument? Hold on, but is that the same argument that we use for Brock in in, in, the, in the WWE? The, the end of the day, like we as wrestling fans, we gotta understand that the majority of casuals, again, which is what these brands cater to, they don't cater to the diehards. Diehards are gonna watch regardless. Yeah. They forget. They want people that have the name and the recognize the recognizable face. And like, I don't care who you are. If you know, if you have lived at any point in on in in media and inter, in the internet in the last fifteen years, you know who Chris Jericho is, but you don't know who Kenny Omega is. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. You, you don't know who Janello is. The kid's name. That's Janello, yeah. Right? <laughs> like it's pretty great. You you care about Jericho, so he, he he it's the fact is he's the only champion in AEW that I know. Of. Yeah, I, that and that that tells you in itself. I'm a, I'm a casual casual fan of of AEW, I guess. But the only champ I know is without googling it is mm. is Jericho. 
And that's because all this shit goes viral online. No, 100%. 100%, And I just don't want it to be DDP facing him next. Let's put it that way. Uh, Chris Vendito, where can the good people follow you on Twitter? Is it just at Chris Vendito? At Chris Vendito on the Twitter and then the, the Facebook and the Instagram. And, you know, maybe I'll start a TikTok where I, you know, yell about uh, Le Champion. That's pretty great. Uh, I'm just going to wrap it here because I'm, I'm very afraid that Zoom is going to kick us out because we're nearing the 40-minute mark. Uh, let's do this again sometime, Chris. And uh, Yes, sir. We'll keep uh, trying to put up with AEW. Oh, come on, Bilal. It's getting better. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 